So this week is National Vocations Awareness Week, which I'm never a big fan of awareness weeks, but it's a good week to have a homily about vocations, and this gospel uh, fits it very well. So this, this gospel is, is built upon the, the triptych of the, the three vows that religious take. So it starts off, if anyone comes to me without hitting his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That is a clear parallel to the the vow of of celibacy or of chastity in which a person uh, says, chooses to no longer pass on natural life from one generation to the next for the sake of dedicating their lives to the passing on of the supernatural life. And so you can think of kind of being part of this, this lineage of passing on natural life as a, a kind of um, attachment to father and mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, and even your own natural life. But it's when we choose to hate in the sense of um, consider those things to have no power over us, right? When we hate someone, when, when they're our enemies, essentially they have no power of influence over us because we just don't care what they think about us, right? The, the, the relationship is already severed in a certain sense. And so in the same way, in the celibate life, what we do is we say like, okay, no, I mean, like, that's all great. It's over there, but that does not have power over me. That, that natural tendency and that, that social pressure to pass natural life from one generation to the next is not going to control me. Then it goes to the second. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So first off, it's talking about the the coming after Christ, so the following, which is a kind of obedience to Christ, but also it's specifically taking up your cross. And it was Christ who was made obedient even unto death, death on the cross. And so there we have a clear reference to the vow of obedience, which is this renunciation of our own will, because that is the greatest act of love that we can make. If you think about it, basically everything else that we have can eventually be taken from us in some way. Think about material goods. You can lose all of those, right? A hurricane can come. Uh, there can be a giant stock market crash. Somebody can come and steal all the things, steal your identity. You lose all the material things. Those can be taken away. Friendships, those can be lost. Family members, they can pass away. Even your own intelligence, a nasty concussion, will get rid of that. Your ability to move, you just break one little bone pinch one little nerve and your ability to move is taken away. Your memories, everything can go. But the one thing that can never actually be taken from us is our ability to choose. Somebody may be able to force us to do something, but they can't make us want it. And so the greatest gift of ourselves, the, the gift of ourselves that goes to the very depth of our core is in fact choosing to be obedient. So making that act 
of the vow of obedience is a giving of oneself at the very depth of your being in an act of love all the way until your last breath. And I kind of like this. Right now, Jesus like, takes a pause. He's like, all right now, guys, I just laid this out big time. Now, I'm going to use some images. Then he goes into the construction of the tower, and he says, look, I just set a high standard. Are you really going to embrace this? Are you really going into this? You know, don't be like that foolish king that gets into the middle of a battle and then just gets tail kicked. Think about it beforehand. Discern it. Consider it. And then he kind of comes with his grand finale, which is, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. So that's the vow of poverty. Choosing to not own anything for the sake of being completely free and detached from the world so that you can be given completely to God. It's like nice, right? When it's like for those people that are, that are called to religious life. Like that's great when it's those people. But did you, did you notice there's, there's a line that gets repeated in here. It says, if anyone comes to me without hating his mother, his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my religious? He cannot be my priest? He cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and follow after me cannot be my disciple. Every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. So in reality, what Christ is talking about here is not something just for those people. How we understand this is that, uh, so by our baptism, by the very fact that we received baptism, we're actually all called to poverty, chastity, and obedience. We all already have a vocation to those things. And some people, there's actually, it's considered to be a universal call. And so by the fact that we're baptized, there's this kind of universal and general call to the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Yet, for a variety of really practical reasons, like if everybody lives celibacy, then we don't get any more human beings, which would be kind of problematic, right? Not everybody is called to live those through the vows. But they're still called to live poverty, chastity, and obedience in the spirit of what are called the councils. That's the poverty, chastity, and obedience. And so the church has always talked about a certain hierarchy of vocations, that essentially the highest vocations are those that, are, that embrace the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And just so you know, I'm not just like tooting my own horn. I'm actually not in that. I don't have a vow of poverty. I wanted to be a Franciscan, but God told me no. Stunk. So now we're here. The religious life is actually the highest vocation. And so 
when you're kind of in this position of doubt of like, I have no idea what I'm called to, the benefit of the doubt should be towards the higher vocations. So the benefit of the doubt should be given to religious life. If it becomes clear, no, God's not actually calling me to poverty, well then, there's also the vocations to celibacy and obedience. So consecrated virgins or consecrated laymen and diocesan priests or secular priests are all in that category. And then from there, if you're not called to that, then you're called to marriage. A major distinction to make is that it's not like, oh yeah, there are the holy people that are called to religious life and then all the leftovers, right? <laughs> That's not how this actually works, right? Religious life is a holy and good vocation. Consecrated celibacy, the priest, diocesan priesthood, secular priesthood, that is a, a good and holy vocation. Married life, that is a good and holy vocation. In fact, you could even say, for a particular person, what's the better vocation? What's the best vocation for that person? It's not universally religious life. The best vocation for a particular person is what God created them for. So it's not like one vocation is better than the other, but rather that they're all good. Some of them are higher than the others. And the best one for a particular person is the one that they're called to. Now, the vast majority of you here are probably called to married life, right? That's just kind of how the mathematics work out. This gospel, I think, really elevates what married people are supposed to live. Jesus just said, you have to have that same detachment from family that a celibate person has if you want to be his disciple, whether married or celibate. You have to have that same willingness to be obedient even unto death, death on the cross, that a person in, vow, in the vows of obedience has, even if you're married. You have to have that same disposition of detachment from all of your possessions, just like somebody in the, the vow of poverty has, even if you're married. So hopefully what's happened in everybody's mind is that you realize that God doesn't call religious to be saints. He doesn't just call priests to be saints, that every single person is called to an authentic holiness, an authentic detachment from the things of the world so that they can truly cling to God.